It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike, and with me I have my trusty co-host, Brad Fike. What's up? Trusty. Trusty. Is that trusty or trusting? Well, trusty, isn't that like... uh, the word for you're your, like a Swiss army knife. You just have lots of, you're like all oh. the different things. You're a utility man. I prefer trendy. Trendy. <laughs> My co-host, trendy Brad fight. I don't know if uh, everyone would agree with that. Hey, one. I got some new shoes. I don't have one a day. That, I was going to say those look pretty old. Kind of like what at. you kids wear. I oh, look pretty cool. You're them. pretty trendy, huh? Do you yeah. got the, are they like the boots? Yeah. With the no tie, no yeah, the, shoelaces on them? the brown boot. Oh, look brown. at you. I'm You're even more trendy than I am. I'll wear them next week and show you how cool I look. I have a pair of these little, not little boots. Well, I guess I'm not, I don't have huge feet, like nines or whatever, but I have a pair of boots that Tori always tells me, my wife is like, oh, you got to wear the boots tonight. That'll, that'll go great with your outfit. I just don't like them. I like no, my wait. tennis shoes. I have shoestrings on mine now. Oh, you do have shoestrings. Or you strings. just don't tie them? I'll trip over myself. Well, no, I, I well, if you have shoestrings on, that's fine. I just know that like some of the more trendy ones because I have a friend. Oh, uh, he doesn't listen to this, so I can say his name. But Clint, he he loves he loves like real trendy stuff, and he has these boots. They look like they don't have any shoelaces. They look like slip-on boots, but they're the new hot thing. Oh, maybe I need to. They're upgrade. like high-end leather, but they have a little elastic at the at the heel, so you can oh, slide yeah. them on, I've and seen they that. they like kind of. He says they hug his heels and they snap it and they're real comfortable. So I'm thinking people are going to want me to go to the next level on this Did we trend. just become a fashion podcast? We are. So let's talk about fashion today. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to do our own Fike Advisors runway show. Uh, I'm going to emotionally buy a new pair of shoes tomorrow. <laughs> well, hey, that's oh, speaking of emotion, great, is that the subject today? Great segue. Boy, <laughs> these transitions are flawless. We're pretty good. We're becoming professionals. We are professionals. I don't know about that. But anyway, <laughs> we're uh, still in the middle of our series of five habits of financially effective people, right? And so that's what we've been working on different things. We've talked about keeping a long-term perspective taking risks that are appropriate, um, reviewing your plan often. Uh, Those are the three we've gone so far. We're on number four. And number four is maybe one of the bigger ones. This is something that uh, if you want to be effective with your money and you want to have long-term wealth that you've been building for you and your family, this may be the number one thing you need to focus on. And that is, drum roll please, Is that real? I I don't know. I hope it comes out pretty good. That's a new trendy one. That's a new trendy drum roll. Uh, It's emotional buying or emotional financial decisions in general. Buying or selling. Buying, selling, investing. You have to take your emotions out of it. So we're going to talk about that today because the most wealthy people in the world, they make their money decisions based off of logic and not their feelings. And we're talking not just Mark, stock market stuff that we do here. We're talking financial decisions in every aspect of life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, stock market is one of those pieces of the puzzle, right? You don't a want small piece. Of you don't want to get fired up and make emotional decisions with your investments. But yeah, you're right. It comes down to you know when you retire. Is it? Do you just walk out the door because you're mad at work? You know that might not be your best move if you don't have your ducks in a row yet. Or Maybe it's a matter of you're trying to save for retirement, but boy, does that thing look real nice. That that shiny boat, boy, maybe we should just get that and delay our retirement 10 years, you know, something along those lines. You can't make emotional decisions. You have to make logical decisions. And not that you can't have nice things. I think we need to put that caveat out there. You can still make 
you know, fun financial purchases. You can still buy a boat. You can still buy a camper or a truck or whatever it is, but you just can't do it off of because I feel like it today. You need to be thinking about those things. So as a bad emotional decision of starting your truck up in the winter for 25 minutes before you get in it, is that a bad financial decision (laughs) or is that a logical decision? Well, if you look at the gas prices currently, boy, does that hurt if you're going to be doing something So it's not very smart. It's an emotional because I just don't want to deal with it I don't want to be even the least bit cold. I want to walk into a... So it's not logical then? No, that would be illogical. So I'm an illogical individual. Well, you know, I wasn't going to say it. I like a warm truck. Yeah, (laughs) I wasn't going to say it about you, but I'm glad you picked it up on your own. But yeah, so I mean, let's talk about some of these things. What are some All of right. the big pitfalls for for people who run into this? And maybe we can just start with uh, just the personal side of things. Um, well, so like what maybe some things that people do are common, yeah. and we all know it. Right. Okay, what we talk about here is everybody's going to know about it. Right. Uh, well, let's just use a, a very common one that we see regularly is emotional buying using a credit card. Ooh. Swipe, swipe, swipe. How's that feel? Oh, it feels great. Especially at Christmas time. We just came out of a season where it is swiped more often, they say. Well, and I should say it's no longer swiping because, you know, they all have chips on them. Oh, so it's right. insert, you know. And sit there for a little bit. Yeah, yes. But, I mean, the you're absolutely right. That, that right there is exactly what we're talking about because it's easy to take your credit card out and go, well, I can't afford this today with my cash. But if I just put it on the card, I can pay it later, right? right? Until later comes around, you get that credit card bill. Now, all of a sudden, your emotions are in the opposite. Yeah, you got what you wanted three weeks ago, but boy, does it hurt three weeks later when you get that bill, and all of a sudden, it's like, whoo, I can't afford that. You know, I have to either take out of my savings or my emergency fund, or maybe I have to now make payments on my credit card because I was undisciplined with my money before. Yeah, it's an emotional good feeling when you swipe it, right? right. Oh, this is cool. I'm buying it. And then by the time you pay your, get your credit card bill, the high emotional high is already worn off. And yep. now you're like, oh crap, I got to pay for, I got about that. So that's just a credit card thing. And we should continue with that. But also I think of people when they buy cars, it's an emotional mm-hmm. buy. Everybody knows that car dealers love it. Cause that's how they play on you. But you go and you buy this car and you're like, oh yeah, I can afford it. I'm, oh, this is so awesome. And like three or six months later, you're just like, it's just another car. Right. right? I mean, it's... your emotions have leveled out and they're gone. You're like, crap. Now I got this big payment. Every you month. got that nice buyer's remorse. Well, and that's, and you know, that's a good example. Cause the car salesman or saleswoman, they prey on that, right? Oh. They know it's an emotional decision to buy a car because if they were to show you that sticker price every single time when you walk in there, hey, 10 grand, 15 grand, or nowadays used cars are going for 20 to 25,000 if you're getting something that's gently used. If they showed you that sticker price, you go, well, I could never afford that. So what do they do? They get emotional and they show you the monthly price. Yeah. Well, you could probably swing $300 a month, right? Well, if you think about it, I have $300 a month extra laying around most months. There's some months I don't, but I could probably swing $300 a month. All that thinking, wait a second, that $300 a month for six years adds up to more than that $20,000 that's on the sticker, right? So they already know, they're playing that emotional game. What makes you feel good? What can get you in this car today and make you feel happy? Yeah, so credit cards and buying cars, those are are the emotional high at purchase time. And then there's always that buyer's regret. Not always, but there's buyer's regret later that goes, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have done it or, you know, something to that effect. So yeah. And that happens not just in automobiles, credit cards, but it happens in buying houses. Houses. Okay. So you think about people are shopping for houses, especially right now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a house 
is on the market sometimes for hours and that's it and it's sold. That's crazy. So if, if you're caught up in the emotion of that, I have to have a new house, whether I'm building or buying a house, I have to have it now right. is what the mentality is right now because there's money out there. Markets are good. Interest rates are low. And the emotion surrounding all of us is our friends are buying houses. We know people are buying houses and you kind of like, oh, I really like to get rid of this one and move to the next one. Mm-hmm. That's an emo starts to be an emotional buy because it doesn't make logical sense right now to buy a house. What do you think? I mean, it depends, right? I- it could make logical sense if you've been saving for years and it's what exactly your family needs at this moment. But right now, markets are high. You're buying this house at a high point. Now, if you're going to hold on to the house for 30 years, it, may, it might appreciate over what you paid for it down the line. But there's a good chance, and I don't know for sure, and I don't have a crystal ball, but there's a good chance that after you buy a house today, that there is a near future moment where it's worth less than what you paid for it because the real estate market's been so hot for the last two or three years. So it's just been up, 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 up. There, It has to go down eventually. Now, does it, is it going to bottom out and go to zero? No, probably not. But in the short term, you may not, you may be paying a lot more for the house than what you could pay if you waited two years, three years down the road when the market cools off. Now, Again, I don't have a crystal ball to give you a time frame. If I could give you a date, I absolutely would and say, hold on, wait until February of 2024, then buy your house. I wish that was the case, but I, mean, I don't know. And that's the green light you're talking about there? I, you know? I wish I could We've say that We've talked about was. the green and red light in the past in That's the right. Market timing on the housing market's even harder than probably the market timing in the, in the stock market trying to get those Yeah, and right. so you know, with this emotional uh, feeling that I want to buy a new place, if, I, if I'm a logical person searching to buy a new house and been saving money for years, that's a logical decision. It isn't something that just spurred up in the last month or six six months or, you know, two years. But the other emotional piece is they're moving so fast. Right. That now the realtors can put the emotional piece to it. If you really like this house, if you feel good in this house, you need to put an offer on it today because it may not be here tonight. So then you get caught up in not having time to do the logical thinking, just like buying a car. You get caught up in the sales process. You forget you're all caught up in how cool this car is that you forget to use logic and it's, you know, this car may not be here tomorrow or this house may not. And that's what gets you, you know, uh, caught up in that emotional piece to it. And it happens constantly. I'm a prime example. How about RV? Well, go ahead with your example. Well, I was gonna say, I'm a prime example of this one buying a house. So Tori and I bought a house in June of 2020. Now we had been looking all through 2019 for a house. Now, luckily, and we, we thought we were being real logical because in 2019, we didn't need a new house yet. We were thinking ahead. We're thinking, okay, down the road, we have one kid now. If we ever want to have more than one kid, there's not enough space in this house. So let's start looking now before something happens and we got another kid on the way and now we're panicked and we have to make a decision. So we, we, want, we were trying to be logical. The problem was is the market was so hot that we, we were really interested. The first house we looked at, and you were there with me, and you could you can be the person, you were the voice of reason, thank goodness I had you there. But that first house we looked at, I'm like, this is it, this is the one I want. And you had said multiple times, don't make an offer on the first house you look at, that's just crazy. There's gonna be plenty of houses on the market. But I kept thinking, and we talked to a realtor who I really didn't, uh, I didn't think was looking out for my best interest at the time, we were talking to a realtor who said, oh, no, this is the one. You got to do this. And it was just such an emotional tie up there. Luckily, there was just one thing that was slightly wrong with the house that just rubbed me the wrong way and kept me from making an emotional purchase of that place. 
Now, it went for sale down the road to somebody else, and I'm sure they overpaid for what they got, but I'm just thinking back on that. I go, I'm the prime example of emotional decisions. Now, luckily, I had a voice of reason. I had a good advisor. Maybe is that, that maybe that's our little... Uh, Woo! Let me ch- write that down. Yeah, right. Maybe that's our little uh, plug for having a good advisor for financial stuff, but I had a good person in my ear going, maybe you should wait. Something else will come up, and it did. Now, it didn't come up right away. You know, it was a, that was... April of 2019. We didn't buy our house until June of 2020. So it took over a year for us to find the place that we ended up buying, which ended up being a great purchase. It's been a great house for us. But at the time, I was real caught up in that one and I wanted it and I wanted it now. So you got to be thinking about that because emotions, when they get into there, all the logic goes out the window. You can miss the things like, so that house may have been uh, a two hundred thousand dollar house, but the problem with that was is that there was about sixty to seventy thousand dollars of things that needed to be done to it. Was I prepared to do all that stuff? Well, in my mind, I said, well, I could draw that out over five years, over ten years. We could afford to do it over the next, you know, ten years. We could get everything done. But the reality is that was a silly decision. If I were to put another $70,000 in that house, it wouldn't have been worth 270000 right? The, yeah. the numbers just didn't add up logically. Just because it was cool and it's what we were looking for doesn't mean it made the most sense logically. Right. So that's just a little case study for you, a little prime example of I am even subject to this as an advisor who gives people unbiased advice across the table, says don't do that or really think about that before you do it. I fall to my prey to my own issues in the same thing, thinking emotionally. Yeah, and just because you're an advisor doesn't mean you don't have emotions as well. You know, I, just, I am human. We just did rebalancing in the last month of our clients' accounts, and when I was going through it, I'm like, I don't know if this person should rebalance because you know the market's up and they really need to keep getting the growth from the stocks and they're on a momentum run and. And then I, I, I go back and I click to myself and go, no, this is a logical move. This yeah. is not an emotional move. And so I rebalanced every account. But there were several that I sat and thought, oh, do I really want to hit this button? And you just got to do it. And right. we learned that uh, in the past from uh, people who taught us how to rebalance and said, look, this is a logical decision. It's not an emotional one. No matter how tight you get caught up in it, you got to rebalance when you say you're going to do it and you do it. And uh, so, you know, this is, it's a very hard discipline really right. to, to, to control keep your the emotions. emotions. Out. Yeah. And the, the, what you just talked about a story of one of your clients on an RV. Yes. And uh, he retired and rolled 401k money from his employer out and then took what, like a third of it or about a third, a third quarter or, to a third of quarter the money. A third of it out as cash. So he took a distribution from the 401k. And he's under 59 and a half. So I advised against it because he's going to get a tax penalty for that. But he was determined that they were going to buy a RV or a camper. Might, might have been a camper. I can't remember exactly. But they wanted to buy their toy. They said, well, we have access to the money. So we want to do that. And I said, well, this will delay your retirement from your new job because what he was doing was leaving his previous employer going to be self-employed. And he'd been doing some side work and it was getting to be too much time into it. So he said, I want to go full time so that I can actually give the time it deserves and make some more money. He's going to do great with his new job. The problem is, is that he took a fourth of his retirement savings that is pretty good. And in his late 40s, he dumped it into a, a investment, if you want to call it that, a recreational investment that has no return. It's a negative return, almost guaranteed on it. Yeah, right. And yeah. so again, one of those things where you go, is an RV a bad thing? Absolutely not. I, I love it. We grew up camping with grandma and grandpa. I mean, they had a trailer for 
how long? 20, 30 years they had one. My whole lifetime. So longer than that. And so it was, it's fun, but you have to think about it logically. They went out and bought a brand new one. Would I ever recommend that? No, I would never. And they had no camping experience prior to, No camping experience to my knowledge. And so they were buying this brand new camper or RV, spending top dollar on it, and they may find out, and I hope they don't, but they may find out that they don't get to spend as much time in it as they'd like. They they wish they would have had more time in it, or maybe they don't like it as much, or maybe they can't find any good campgrounds locally. They have no idea because they've never done it. And so now they're stuck with this thing, whether they like it or not. And if they try to resell it, they're going to lose their their butts on it. We'll put it that way. Yeah, there you go. They're going to lose some money because they made an emotional decision that, oh, I have access to funds. Now I need to spend them. And now I got what I want. I got the toy I was looking for, but now I don't know if I really need it. That kind of feeling. The buyer regret might have set in already. You might have. And that's not the first example. I mean, we've had that before. And I have a client that's a a full-time RVer. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had done RVing prior to, you know, getting on the road and not, you know, they sold their house and everything. But he, I remember he tell, him telling me a couple of years ago, he's like, don't ever buy a new RV for your first time, because if you don't like it, you're going to sell it. And like you said, you're going to lose your butt on it. So he always said, you know, buy a used one, find a reasonably priced one and go camping for a while and find out if you actually right. like doing it. Or if you're going to travel on the road, actually go do it. Yeah. And you had brought up a, a podcast you listened to, and the guy was talking about renting, which I never thought about yeah. that. But give us a little insight on what what that was sure. all about. Sure. So there's another podcast, and I hate to you know plug my competitors, but he's really not a competitor. I think he's really helpful. So if you're really interested in the financial world and how markets work and how retirement works, it's called the Retirement Answer Man podcast. And I'll have a link in the show notes to his because he's really, really good. But he had a whole series on RVs because he works with really high net worth individuals in Texas. And so a lot of his clients, they'll retire with millions of dollars and what they want is an RV. And they may even live in that for the rest of their life or maybe it's just a toy to have on the side. But what he found is that a lot of his clients who buy RVs end up trying to sell them within the first couple of years. And he said, so what his advice to all of his clients are, spend at least a year, if not two years, renting one. Yes, you're going to pay for something that you never get your money back on, but it's better to rent for two years and find out you don't like it than it is to buy a new one and then try to sell it two years later. You'll save a lot more money doing that. Now, is it bad if you rent it for a year and go, boy, do I love this? No, that means good things. Then you go out and find one that's in the price range or you use that whole year as you're using that vehicle to meet individuals on the road and in these camp and in these uh, campgrounds and talk to them and see what makes sense of what you want on yours. And it's more of a time to take your time and figure out what you're looking for rather than just making that emotional decision and going and buying it. Yeah. And there's a whole, I, I looked at uh, renting a motorhome, Mm-hmm. And there's there's uh, there's tons of private owners of motorhomes that will rent them out. So it's like an Airbnb for RVs. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I don't know if that's so if it's actually Airbnb, but I found them on the website, and you can you can rent them for high quality down to you know junky ones or whatever. That's but cool. so it's available out there. You just got to get online and start looking at. I want to rent a an RV, and then you can pick and choose all kinds of options, and well, they're all over the country. I think of me and my wife and. We're, we're not at the stage of retirement by any means, but we can't make up our mind for a year, right? Like we, we're changing the things that we're trying to do and save for and getting excited about every six months, it feels like. 
So why would I ever want to make a commitment? And I don't know how much RVs are. I've never really looked at the prices, but we're talking multiple six figures, I'd imagine. Well, it depends on what you're buying. You know? You're probably looking at, you know, 100000 to 250000 maybe higher, depending on how high quality you go. But if you think about that, boy, if I'm changing my mind every six months or I have different hobbies and different things I'm interested in, I don't really want to dump that much money into something that I may not want a year from now. That's just something to think about. And that goes not just for RVs. It goes, like you said, for cars, for houses, swiping that credit card. Are you really really going to be just as passionate as you are today, six months, 12 months, 18 months from now about what you're buying? Because if if, if it's going to be, you know, a lower passion about it that far ahead... Maybe you should really consider how much money you're going to spend on it. Yeah. So enough of the RV thing, but it really yeah. is. A, that's another emotional buy. And a boat's an emotional buy. I, boats. Oh, well, you're, you're the master of boats. I have been looking at boats for a year and a half now. And I have a boat that is quite sufficient for what I need. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to have just a little bit bigger. Typical boat person. Yeah, right. But I have been extremely logical about it. I have found boats that I absolutely love. And it's, 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 it's in close to my price range, but I go, it's still more than I want to spend. So I don't pull the emotional trigger. And uh, now I'm just, I just keep a look, but it doesn't hurt to keep an eye on stuff because if you're logical about it, you got a year or two to look for them. You'll know when you find a good deal, right? Right. That's how I look at stuff. I I have to know what's out there in the marketplace before I'm going to buy some RV, a boat, a car, a truck, a house. I want to know what the market is before I buy. That's logical thinking. Mm-hmm. And then when I do find something I really like where I get emotional, I know if it's too high price compared to what it should be. That is you start important. to get a feel for every piece of the market. Well, I and I learned that from reading a book on, you know, how to not be a non-emotional consumer. I can vouch for that. You are the fact finder. I am. You are the fact finder. I will say in in our relationship here at work it is, I have an idea and I'm an emotional person. Go, go, go. If it feels like a good idea, go get it. You're the person that goes, wait a second. What about this? And it's like, no, stop slowing me down. I'm ready to go. Well, you really got to think this. It drives me nuts, but it's exactly what I need. But sometimes what everyone who's listening to this podcast needs, they need that fact finder, that logical person who's objective in the situation. You know, they're removed where it's like, it doesn't affect them. But you can ask them and say, what do you think about this? And they can go, "Mm, I don't know. One of my friends is that kind of person too. His name's Adam. One thing that I love about Adam is if I bring an idea to him, he's like, well, you really think that's great? And it's like, well, yeah, of course I do. He's like, well, let's talk about how great it is. And, And once you start breaking it down, you go, okay, you know what? If I take my emotions out of this and I start looking at the real picture, you know, instead of looking through those rose colored glasses, you're right. It's not the greatest decision or it doesn't make a ton of sense. Well, let's jump into another topic uh, when it comes to emotional stuff. How about the markets? We always talk about stocks and investing and long-term perspective, but how do emotions play into that? Well, we run into it quite often, although we've done so many classes over the last 10 years that I think the majority of our clients get the fact that you can't make emotional decisions when it comes to buying or selling. And that means getting in and out of the market and try to time it and things of that sort. And it is an emotional roller coaster ride, right? Because, you know, when it's going up, nobody, the emotions are happy and big smiley faces. But when it goes down, it's ugly and people have frown faces and they want to get out. And those are both emotional decisions. 
And, uh, of course, when you're in it and it's up, everybody's happy and glorious and you don't think about anything else, but it's just going to go up forever, I guess. And, uh, but when it goes down, then it's, you know, I need to get out. This is painful. I can't take it. And that's why you have to have logic when it comes to investing. And that's where an advisor is hugely important. Because how many times do we talk somebody off the cliff that goes, look, I think we need to change my portfolio and go to all bonds or go go to cash or I need to lower my risk factor because, you know, markets look like and they're saying it's going to be ugly. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. So you get caught up in the news media, the emotion and your money has too much pressure on your emotions. And this is why we had all these classes all these years is to help people separate the emotion from logical investing. Yeah. So it's a huge thing. There's no, we've talked about the red light, green light. Mm-hmm. And if you can logically picture that, there is no red light that tells me when to get out, no green light that tells me when to get back in. That's logical thinking. Think about how that works. And if you right. think that first, then you go, well, then, you know, I don't know when to get out. And, I'm, and when I do get out, am I going to know when to get back in? And if you can get yourself into that mind uh, set before, you know, markets go into correction, big correction, you're going to you're weather through it a lot easier. But. Absolutely. Well, I, I just I think about I've been through two election cycles now as an advisor. And I just think about those time periods. And if there's one word that I think can describe that time period of the basically the whole year coming up to a new presidential election, it's emotional. That's the one word. Everything is so emotionally charged. And especially these last two elections, I feel like, and maybe that's how it feels about every election, but really I've only worked through these last two. But it just feels like people just, they they go with their gut feeling, which sometimes that plays out in their favor. Sometimes it doesn't. And so you have to think about this logically. I think a lot of people, it's so interesting, in 2016, um, the conversation was, it doesn't matter who gets in office, whether it's Clinton or Trump, the markets are going down. And literally for the last eight weeks of the year after the election, the markets skyrocketed in 2016. So your gut feeling is, jump ship, get out of here. Same thing happened just in 2020. Oh, gosh, doesn't matter if it's Trump or Biden, markets are going down. Or at that point, I think it looked like, well, Biden might win. If Trump doesn't get in there, markets are going to go down. And certain people are going, oh, I got to get out of here. There's just there's too much volatility. I need to go all bonds. Or I need to go to cash. And the markets went up. They went up all year last year, even in the face of, in some people's imagination, the worst economy thing that could happen to our economy, right? So it's just, you got to take those emotions out of it. Get away from the news media who loves to play those heartstrings you have. They love to put those headlines on there that are going to make you go, oh, you know, uh, I, I have feelings. I, they're negative feelings. Things are going bad. And that's when they spark that emotion to keep you watching. It's like a drug to them. And if you just miss those few days of good markets because you got emotional, it can ruin maybe years of your retirement. Absolutely. And the news media, as I've said many times before, is our masters of emotions, yeah. all forms, newspaper, radio, TV, and uh, just turn it all off. That's all just, I can tell yep. you. Pull the plug. Yeah. It, and I'm not saying don't be informed. And I think that comes off sometimes. I've had a conversation with a the client. They're like, well, where would I get my information? Just get it from somewhere else. The ones on TV, they're selling advertising. They aren't selling you quality news. They're selling you advertising. So just get it from somewhere where you feel like it has good tr- local news. And now, you know, it has a little bit of a caveat there. There's always a twist to local news. 
but it's a little bit more helpful than national news. And I'll tell you one thing that I learned, and this is probably more of a leadership thing as I've been working with uh, the local chamber of commerce on some things, is that if you're watching national news and you're getting fired up and emotional about what's going on in the Oval Office or what's going on in Congress, I understand that, but there's not much you can do about it other than vote. So why get, why get all fired up about it? Whereas if you're reading local news and you're hearing about local issues and there's things going on in your local community and you're getting fired up about that, there's something you can do about it. You can join an organization or start an organization or be a part of a movement that's local that's actually making real change. So I think a lot of things that end up happening with people is they get outraged at what's going on in the United States as a whole, and they're missing the mark on being outraged on the things that they actually have control over in their own backyard, right? Yeah. Spend some time doing the things you can actually change. Plus, spending a, they're in misery all day long, too. They really are. I hear, I hear it all the time, and I, my comment is always, turn it off. Yep. You don't need it. Well, how am I going to learn? Well, there's a thing called the internet and you got to do a little bit of work to find the non-emotional articles. They're on there. They are. And the truth is on there. The joke is always, oh, I got it off the internet. Mm -hmm. But the truth is on there. You just got to look for it. You got to spend a little energy. If you spend your energy looking for the right information, you'll save yourself a whole lot of energy that you expel with emotions all day long and your anger and upset throughout the whole day. You know what I'm saying? It's it's just crazy. It why, is. why let it ruin your day? Anyhow, we aren't here to talk about no, this. No, no. But it is another emotional trigger. We it's, can step off of our soapbox now. But okay. think about this, guys. And we're just going to wrap up here because we're, we're getting to that time. But just think about taking a step back, getting an objective perspective. There's a little rhyme for you. A little, I'm a rapper or a, or a poet and didn't know it. How's yeah, that? We can start a rap, um, rap song later. A rap song. Oh, boy, that could be your new thing. Um, financial rapper. <laughs> Oh, gosh, that scares me. Um, but no, get an objective perspective. Get someone from the outside to give you some input on what you're trying to make financial decisions on. Now, if it's $20 or it's $10, yeah, maybe you don't need to talk to your financial advisor about it. But if it's a big purchase, like a car or a house or a boat or an RV, maybe it's time to get someone in the picture that doesn't have any skin in the game that can tell you with maybe even hurt your feelings a little bit with some honesty and say, that doesn't make sense logically. And then you need to take a step back and go, okay, how do I do this in a logical manner? Doesn't mean you can't make these purchases. It just means you might have to go about it a little bit of a harder direction. You may have to take the harder route to get there, but it'll be well worth it for you and your family's wealth. Yeah. Any final thoughts from you, Brad? Uh, just become a fact finder when you're buying anything. Uh, research it. Make sure you're buying for the right value. Even if it's toilet paper, do a lot of research. <laughs> Two ply, one ply, six ply. I Compare don't Compare the price per sheet. That's <laughs> Per sheet. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There you have it. Um, be smart and not emotional about your toilet paper. That's, yeah. I think that's the... Uh, that's the ending of the day. I don't think you can have any better. Well, if you... <laughs> If you um if you enjoy our podcast, we would love to have you share this with family and friends. So there's a link uh, that's associated with wherever you're listening to this from, whether it's on Spotify or Apple, or maybe you're on our website. You can share that link in an email with any friends or family, or you can just send them straight over to fikeadvisors.com. And if they go there, there's a podcast tab on the website. They can just click it. They can go through the entire archive. We have well over 50 episodes of different conversations we've had in the world of retirement. So they can check that stuff out. We would love if you would share that with them. Another thing you can do is if you're looking for a financial advisor, you can head over to our website, fikeadvisors.com. Click the schedule now button. 
You schedule for free. We don't charge you anything for that first appointment. It's completely complimentary. The only thing you got to do is spend some time with us. So I guess it does cost you in time, but it doesn't cost you any money. And what we'll do is we'll just sit down with you, see what you may need help with, and we'll we'll help you get there. Now, we may not have the resources to do whatever you're looking for, but we'll find somebody who does. So we'll help you along the way. So it's really something that you should take advantage of. It's not something that everybody offers. So head over to fikeadvisors.com. Uh, click schedule now and find some time to hang out with us. And that's all I got for you today. Um, Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you here to close out our series of five habits of financially effective people. We'll close that out here in our next episode. And then we'll start something new. I don't know what we're going to start, but it'll be new. I don't know. All right. Adios. Yep. Bye guys. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.